Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy Nightmare KO back at it again with another podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, May 8th, 2023. That's right, May 8th, folks. So it's another week. We made it through another weekend, folks. I hope everybody's weekend was pretty good. Mine was excellent. Got to watch some lacrosse freaking playoffs yesterday. It was pretty amazing. Not yesterday, but Saturday. Um, I got to watch some uh, indoor box lacrosse between Rochester and Buffalo. And also, I got to watch uh, Panther City versus uh, Calgary. That was a very entertaining game with the Calgary Panthers City matchup. Uh, Calgary won. They're moving on to face Colorado. And then we got Buffalo destroyed Rochester. Uh, Buffalo will be playing Toronto in the semifinals. The final four teams will be battling it out. It should be a very interesting matchup. The first round was absolutely amazing. Um, Toronto, Buffalo. And then we got in the West, we got uh, Colorado, Calgary, best of three series. It should be an interesting series, man. Buffalo, Toronto series last year was absolutely amazing. Um, It's going to be amazing again. Can't wait to watch it on Saturday. And then I'll definitely watch Colorado. Uh, Calgary game one of both series the east and west it should be absolutely amazing I'm going to take Toronto gets to the finals this year and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Calgary I think it's an all Canadian finals which would be absolutely amazing and then you know what's next month folks we got the PLL which is the premier lacrosse league starting next month in June absolutely amazing I uh, can't wait to see it I love premier lacrosse league it's absolutely awesome it gets me through the summer my rays have been doing fantastic folks when it comes to uh, baseball tampa bay rays they're off to an amazing start so we'll see if they can finish the deal win the world series this year and we'll see what happens but anyway folks let's get into this independent news we're going to kick it off in ireland folks so ireland won it once Public input on proposed censorship bill until the majority said they actually prefer free speech. So, folks, they're not stopping, folks. It's happening all over the world. So, let's get into this article. So, the Irish government has decided to move forward with criminal justice, incitement to violence, or hatred and hate offense bill 2022, despite the fact that a majority of public uh, consultants' response were against the proposal. <clears throat> the bill was initiated in October 2022, aimed to address hate speech in the country. It's always interesting with these policies, and they always talk about hate speech, right? What the fuck do they constitute as a hate speech? The public consultants held in 2019 offered individuals the chance to express their views on matters through either letter submissions or survey responses. GRIP, a news outlet, conducted an analysis of the 3,597 submissions received during the uh, consultation pr- uh, progress. The result indicated that 73% of respondents opposed the implementation of the hate speech law in Ireland. So this is from the Department of Justice. We're running a public consultant on hate speech to find out how our laws can be improved. You and your followers can tell us what you think. And this was on Twitter. Um, it doesn't give me a day. Oh, yes, it does. This was at uh, 12 noon on November 12, 2019. Many respondents felt that the free speech should only be restricted in cases involving incitement to violence or credible threats. One individual comment, I'm offended by the government quite often, but they are entitled to their opinion like I am. Another stressed the importance of free expression over safeguarding the feelings of sensitive individuals. I agree with that. Despite the clear 
opposition, the Irish government chose to proceed with the bill, citing the sheer number of responses as justification for moving forward. The Justice Department stated that hate speech can lead to hate crime and announced the development of new hate crime laws in Ireland following the release of the consultant findings. This week, the bill received a significant majority of support in the lower house. With 110 votes in favor and only 14 against, the decision to move forward with the legislation despite widespread public disapproval raises questions about the effectiveness of public consultants and the government commitment to address the concerns of the citizens. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening all around the world, and it sucks that it's happening in Ireland, but folks, this is what the Fourth Industrial Revolution is all about. You won't have freedom of speech um, anywhere in the world. You'll be monitored, blocked, censored. Stupid things that we used to say in the 90s is now will be a federal crime, which is absolutely ridiculous. But it's unbelievable, folks, that, well, let me change that. It's not unbelievable. Because this is where the governments are heading to. They all have the same playbook. So it's not surprising this is actually happening right in front of our eyes. This doesn't surprise me at all. But anyway, folks, let me know what y'all think out there, man. But moving on, we got something about Microsoft forces edge on users. That's 100% correct. Outlook and Teams to override default browser preference on Windows, which is good. And yet another attempt to force users to use Edge browser. Microsoft has begun nullifying IT admins that Outlook and Teams will ignore the default browser users have set on Windows and open links in Edge. Web links from AAD accounts and Microsoft MSA accounts in the Outlook for Windows app will open and Microsoft is in a single view showing the open link side by side with the email it came from the message to IT admins read. The new policy is gradually rolling out on Microsoft 365. IT admins will get a month notice before the feature arrives on Outlook. Microsoft 365 Enterprise IT admins can change the policy, but Microsoft 365 Business ITs will be forced to change the policy on each individual machine. In a statement to The Verge, Microsoft said that this change is designed to create an easier way for Outlook and Microsoft Team users to reduce task switching across windows and tabs to help stay focused but opening browser links in microsoft ads the original message in the outlook or teams can be viewed alongside web content to easily access read and respond to the message using the matching <clears throat> authenticated profile customers have the option to disable this feature in the settings a few weeks ago microsoft said it would change how windows manage which apps open which links and files by default at the time it said we have a responsibility to ensure User choices are respected, adding that it is important that we lead by example with our own first-party Microsoft products. <clears throat> Ignoring a user's default web browser choice is the opposite of respecting their choice, actually. I agree with that last statement. So there you go, folks. So Microsoft is going to force edge on users. We all saw this coming years ago, folks, that when Microsoft announced a few years ago that they were going to make edge their default browser that eventually we knew that the choices of Outlook and Teams that Edge would be forced on all users. Now, the only good thing is that users can change this option, but businesses have to change on each machine. It's absolutely ludicrous and absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's asinine. It's the most stupidest thing in the world, to be honest with you. And I think it's ridiculous. But folks, let me know what y'all think, man. Do y'all think Microsoft forced the edge on users? Outlook and Teams override default browse 
graphics on Windows is a good thing. I think it is because no one should be forced to use any type of browser, no matter what type of fucking operating system you use, whether it's Linux, uh, if it's Windows, or if it's or if it's fucking uh, OS. To be honest with you, so that's just the way I feel about it. I'm all about freedom of choice and freedom of consequences, but hey, it is what it is. You can't trust these corporations. But anyway, moving on, folks, we got some J.P. Morgan news. So J.P. Morgan Chase is warned to back off political ideology censorship. So a group of 19 Republican attorney generals spearheaded by Kentucky's Daniel Cameron has recently issued a warning to J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. The bank has been accused of engaging in discrimination against Kessler based on their political or religious affiliation. In their letter, the attorney general contend that Chase has repeatedly targeted certain customers through their religious or political views, despite its public declaration of inclusivity and openness. They argue that the inclusive has not been consistent extended to all customers. The letter specifically cites the case of the National Committee for Religious Freedom, NCRF, which had its account abruptly closed by Chase just weeks after opening. Although Chase eventually agreed to reopen the account if the NCRF provided a list of donors and political candidates they support. The Attorney General criticized this as a violation of the bank's own anti-discrimination policy. Moreover, the letter points out that WePay, a Chase-owned company, denied service to a conservative group on the grounds of hate, violence, racial intolerance, and terrorism. Another credit card company under the bank ownership closed a pro-life group's account deeming it high risk. The letter concludes by urging Chase to abandon its alleged discrimination practices and fully commit to an inclusive society where everyone is treated equally. The Attorney General suggests that participating in the Viewpoints Diversity Survey would be a positive first step. So folks, we've known about these discriminate uh, practices that J.P. Morgan has, Chase has done for years. They've been doing it for millennia, actually. So it's all BS, and um, I don't think nothing's going to change. I think J.P. Morgan will apologize, maybe pay a fine, do the stupid-ass survey, and they will continue their racist, freaking discriminatory, and non-inclusive fucking practices like they've always done. I mean, I used to have a J.P. Morgan Chase account at one point, and I remember I got freaking debanked for buying a water bottle. I guess a certain water company that I bought the water bottle from didn't fit in J.P. Morgan Chase's views of what type of water I should buy when it comes to freaking bottled water. You know, so I've even experienced this myself, folks. So it's absolutely asinine. I know a lot of you have probably experienced uh, the discrimination of J.P. Morgan Chase. If you haven't, well, hopefully you never do. If you do, well, damn, that fucking sucks. But this is not surprising. Censorship is becoming the norm in this country. It's becoming the norm, I don't know, pretty much all over the world. Um, some of the stories I've brought you in the past, folks, we see all the censorship that's going on. It's absolutely ridiculous, absolutely asinine. You can't make this shit up in a Hollywood film, to be honest. But let me know what y'all think out there about this J.P. Morgan Chase. Warning to back off political ideology censorship. I don't think nothing's going to come of it. And I don't trust these 19 Republican politicians or the Attorney General. All right, folks, let's get on to our president, Joe Biden. That's right. Biden admit uh, Biden admins want America to lead the way to the digital ID. And we all I've been telling you this for a while, folks, the digital ID. 
And remember, folks, all these articles are on reclaimthenet.org. I will put in the links to all these articles in the description below. So you guys check out this article yourself, read them yourself, come to your own conclusions. While acknowledging the importance of creating standards in dominating technology concerns about privacy arise as the White House pushes for the U.S. to lead in developing standards for digital IDs, something that will further normalize the idea. The Biden administration fears a potential decline in American economic dominance if its ability to create standards weaken. Government officials have preserved a shrinking domestic standard workforce amidst a growing number of standard bodies. The establishment of the National Standards Strategy for Critical and Emerging Technology aims to give the country an edge in standardized making through collaboration between businesses and the public. However, privacy advocates will question whether the strategy initiates are truly in the best interest of citizens. A White House press release suggests that the standards strategy could restore the country's rule-based approach to standards on emerging and critical technology. While initially accepted standards created by the U.S. or its economic allies can give domestic service and products an advantage. Skeptics worry about potential misuse of technology and privacy infringement. Standards may pay lip service to values like data, privacy, and controversy technology like facial recognition, but their effectiveness in protecting individual rights is still uncertain. Federal support behind such ideas will likely hasten their rollout. So there you go, folks. A little snippet to create the new standards for the digital ID-driven future. So you know that digital IDs, folks, are going to be the norm in the future if we allow this to happen, which most sheeple will, um, because they'll create a narrative to make you want to get a digital ID because we got to protect you and all this type of stuff like that, which we all know digital IDs are being rolled out all over the world, folks. It's not just happening in the United States, it's being rolled out all over the world. And even some states, they require that you have a digital ID in order to get a driver's license, a.k.a. Arizona is one of them. I used to live there. So take it from me. I already have a digital ID. It's from ID.me. So trust me on that. But anyway, folks, we all see it rolling out in Australia. Um, they're definitely going to be doing it in Canada. We all know Canada has gone completely communist at this point. Um, they have digital IDs in China as well. Um, a couple other places as well. I know, I believe in Zimbabwe, they have digital IDs in order to get fresh water and things like that. So, a lot of things going on, folks. But, uh, let me know what y'all think about that article, folks. We're going to move on to TikTok. That's right, folks. TikTok is back in the news and it's not for anything good. So, TikTok to censor climate change misinformation. So, here we go, folks. Here we go. So we're going to kick it off with TikTok with climate change misinformation. So TikTok marked Earth Day by beginning the censorship climate change misinformation. The platform says it will begin deleting content that contradicts scientific consensus. On April 21st, we will begin to ramp up enforcement of a new climate change misinformation policy, which removes a climate change misinformation that undermines well-established scientific consensus, such as content denying the existence of climate change or the facts that contribute to it. The company said in a statement, as we do for all misinformation policy, we will work with the independent fact checker partners when applying this policy to help assess the accurate, the accuracy of content. In the statement announcing the ban, TikTok boasted popular hashtags such as nature, hashtag oceans, and climate 
uh, Climate Action has garnered 44 billion, 17 billion, and 1 billion views, respectively, in the past year, showing our community loves creating content that celebrates, protects, and restores nature through innovative solutions. TikTok is currently against bipartisan support to ban the app in the United States due to its ownership by China company ByteDance. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what did I tell you before? It was all bullshit about the TikTok thing because now TikTok has joined all the other centralized social media platforms with misinformation. We're going to ban you if you deny climate change. Wait a minute. I thought the United States was going to ban TikTok. So why would you need to set up a censorship to to ban people who talk about climate change or deny that climate change actually exists? I'm one of the people that deny that climate change exists. Of course it doesn't exist. It's it's a made-up term. Okay? They said this when I was in high school that the world was going to be flooded in the next 10 years. How did that work out? Nothing happened. We're still here. Nobody knows when the earth is going to end, folks. Nobody knows except the creator himself who created this, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Who created the entire universe, created everything in our in our universe. It's ridiculous that people, these people that are in power, actually believe they know when the earth is going to end. No, you don't. It doesn't matter how much freaking computer power, bite models, or information that the computer spits out at you. You don't know. Nobody knows. Trust me, when the world ends, it's going to be a great flood. That's how all civilizations always end. Go back in history, look at all of the freaking civilizations that have been wiped out. It always is a great flood. It never has nothing to do with a volcanic eruption except for Pompeii. Um, Pompeii was one of those places that got destroyed by a volcano. A couple other places got destroyed by volcanoes too, but majority of the time, it's a great flood. It's always a great flood. The city of Atlantis got wiped out by a great flood. A lot of the ancient Egyptian cities and the ancient Greek cities got wiped out by a flood. Got destroyed by a flood. That's exactly what happens all the time. So, for me, I'm glad I don't use TikTok personally because I think TikTok's a piece of shit of a, of a platform to begin with. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought it was a, a complete... Freaking deranged maniac application. I've never used TikTok. I don't like TikTok at all. But now that they've joined the climate change censorship misinformation agenda with quote unquote fact checking, who the fuck are these fact checkers, man? These are freaking dumbass people that have nothing to do with their lives. They think they know shit because they're in a position of power, folks. It's a power trip. That's basically what this is. It's absolutely ridiculous. So for me, I don't use TikTok, so I have nothing to worry about. I'm still going to deny climate change, and I will continue to deny climate change because it's all bullshit. It's all about centralized control, centralizing power, making our lives a living hell, living on a communist, climate change, green, efficient lifestyle, which we all know is going to happen in the fourth industrial revolution because most Americans and most people in the, in the West are completely brainwashed and stupid and fighting over things that don't matter anyway. All right, folks, moving on to Vice President Kamala Harris is America's artificial intelligence czar. So that's right, folks. This article came out at 12.04 yesterday. So the White House has announced a plan to crack down on artificial intelligence. The effort will be led by Vice President Kamala Harris and will have a budget of $140 million. 
There have been concerns from industrial experts that the technology could have negative consequences, but there is a debate about the level of regulation needed and who exactly should regulate. That's now up to Vice President Harrison. Jesus Christ, I feel so protected now that Harris is going to lead this charge. Oh, dear God. The White House acknowledged that the technology is one of the most powerful. However, in order to seize the opportunity it presents, we must first migrate its risks. The Biden administration plans to establish 25 research institutes across the country to evaluate four companies at the forefront of the AI race, including ChatGPT, developer OpenAI, Microsoft, and Google. On Thursday, Harris met with executives from the companies to discuss how to migrate potential risks of the technology. As I share today with the CEOs of the companies at the forefront of American AI innovation, the private sector has an ethical, moral, and legal responsibility to ensure the safety and security of their products. Harris said in a recent statement released by the White House, and every company must comply with existing laws to protect the American people. I look forward to the following through and follow up in the weeks to come. Oh, hooray, Harris, you're actually doing a job. You're actually doing your job you're paid for. ChatGPT, which has released in November, has become one of the fastest growing technologies. However, the Biden administration said it has also raised ethical concerns as a negative, I mean, as it is a generated AI that can produce misinformation. President Biden has been clear that when it comes to AI, we must place people and communities at the center by supporting responsible innovation that, reserve, that serves as public good while protecting our society, security, and economic. This, the statement by the White House added, importantly, this means that companies have a fundamental responsibility to make sure their products are safe before they are developed or made public. Vice President Harris has little experience presiding over matters of technology, but did during her tenure at the Attorney General of California push for legislation against revenge porn by advocating for criminalization of non-consensual sharing of explicit images. Harris also made a push to ban registered sex offenders from using any social media sites, something that will likely that was likely unconstitutional. That bill did not pass. During a 2020 Democrat presidential primary debate, Kamala Harris called for Twitter to ban her rival, then-President Trump's account due to the alleged harm caused by some of his tweets. This call faced criticism as it was an infringement on free speech. Agreed. So how do y'all feel, folks? Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris will oversee artificial intelligence. I don't feel any freaking safer. To be honest, folks, I think this is all a ploy. We all know AI is going to be allowed to run wild. And when it does, it's going to cause some serious, serious damage. I'm not saying all AI is bad, but they will make some evil AIs out there because some of these nerds, and some of these dorks out here that work on this stuff really don't like people at all. They really hate society at its core. And they're going to do some things that's going to make AI do some wild things that you've never seen before. Nothing in the fourth industrial revolution is going to be real, folks. It's absolutely going to be asinine. You're going to feel like you're living in a real life movie. It's unfucking believable but anyway, folks, let me know what y'all think. We're going to move on to King Charles III. Coronation is a surveillance nightmare. That's right, folks. So on Wednesday, the London Metropolis Police appear to still be considering using its live facial recognition system during the coronation of the UK's new king. And only a short while later, 
in fact, the same day, they confirmed that this would actually be the cause. This form of mass surveillance will be used in central London during the ceremony and will mostly consist of technology by by Hike Vision, a controversial company due to its tech being used in labor camps in China. Ahead of the confirmation of this news, UK Civil Liberties nonprofit Big Brother Watch said on Twitter the police were testing public opinion by making the announcement about the possible deployment of the tech. The government decision to install 38 height vision cameras along the coordination route shows a staggering lack of judgment, especially given that height vision is already banned from many government sites. It is grossly inappropriate, deeply insensitive, and a stain on our country's record that Chinese state-owned companies closely linked to grave human rights abuse will have their surveillance tech at the heart of this historic event, Big Brother Watch said in a statement. If that was the case, the testing phase was over quickly as on Wednesday, the London police website detailed all the actions they would have been undertaking during the coronation. Among those details was a statement that the facial recognition would be used in central London. The plan to use the technology was explained as utilization, the watch list that will focus on persons whose presence would raise public protection concerns. This class of citizenship includes those with outstanding warrants against them or those undergoing revelant, revelant offender management programs. Let's see. Before it became official that live facial recognition would indeed play a role during the event, Big Brother posted, posted a response on its site to the Metropolis Police, which was at the point. Considering this, the group legal and Policy officer Medina Stone was quoted as saying that this type of surveillance is an authoritarian or Orwellian tool that would in, would in the end treat everyone and that is expected to be hundreds of thousands of people attending the coronation as suspects who biometric data is checked by the police. Beyond that, the system is not actually useful in achieving its declared purpose, i.e. detecting threats. In fact, Big Brother Watch claims that the London police themselves have put out numbers that show 86% of racial flags are not accurate. Live facial recognition is not referenced in a single UK law, has never been debated in Parliament, and is one of the most privacy-intrusive technologies ever used in British policing, said Stone. Other measures that observers have noted will be put in place during the coordination are GPS jammers that are already installed in Westminster but are not currently active. And that's it, folks. So, yeah, folks, it was a surveillance nightmare, according to a lot of people that went to this coordination. It was absolutely horrible. Never been discussed in Parliament. But this is the type of power they have, folks, and this is what they do. They use their power of authority, their illusion authority that they appear to have, and use it against us, folks. And they just install these cameras and all this stuff, which was not even necessary. It was a coordination for King Charles III to become king and stuff. And they didn't need all this protection. It was not needed at all. You have all these police. You have all these security. Security, Do your damn job. That's what you're, fuck, that's what you're paid for. That's what the tax dollars pay you for. But anyway, folks. Let me know what y'all think about this story. Let's have a discussion in the description below. And we have the last story of the night, folks. It's called the shadowy nudge units working on online to manipulate you from afar. 
That's right, folks. So the so-called nudge theory raises many questions and controversies from whether it even works to should it work, i.e. how unethical is it? There are also the issue of those who consider this technique of influencing and steering people behaving in desire direction as simply large-scale manipulation, nobly via media with the word nudge. There's an emphasis. Let's see. Where are we? What's undeniable is that elites, academia, and governments around the world are trying to use it are and are certainly hoping it does work. Research and psychosocial specialist John Mack once penned an opinion piece looking into the history and known application of nudge theory over time, explaining that the goal of effectively forcing people to behave a certain way without restoring to outright comprehensions is the basic goal and principle of such schemes, specifically uh, Mac is interested in, in how all this plays out and once government get involved and in the lines between a push and a shove nudge in that scenario. After all, using this technique to bring about a certain kind of compliance rings differently in the world of politics than it does in, say, advertising. As far as the authors concerned, innovations proceedings from nudge are indeed being used by governments to manipulate the population making the entire controversy even more troubling is the fact that this is true of what we know as uh democrats such as the uk and the and the us those behind the theory are not laboring in the shadows either us economics richard along with casey Co-author the book Nudge, improving decisions about health, wealth, and happiness, and is a noble, noble prize winner. This recognized of Thaler's work came in 27 in the form of Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Science, but the book is considered to be his best known work, even though it promotes a theory that is that its critics linked to libertarianism, uh, patterisms, which Posts that those who rule in the world, governments and other institutes can and should manipulate people's behavior and that this is possible while at the same time respecting people's agency as humans. That's clearly a tall order and Gollum doesn't seem to think it's going particularly well for humans and their agencies. The work of Thaler and Sunstein is said to have inspired governments to introduce highly manipulated methods all the way to social engineering. Even though set up all the way back in 2010, it was 2020 when UK Behavioral Insight Team, aka the Nudge Unit, got its chance to shine with, with the onset of the pandemic. When it was initially established, this government entity was justified by the need to help people in the UK make better choices. However, the pandemic demonstrated the uh, veracity of such controversial message and is now blamed for helping the country authorities implement measures more suited to what are considered totalitarian countries. Some of the advice the government received from the nudge unit was to make use of fear, shame, scapegoating in order to produce the nation, produce the nation to comply with harsh restriction and other COVID-related measures and policy. Grossly unethical is how some critics have called this. After the pandemic came, the focus on the climate change theory and here, the unit has also played a role telling the banks in the UK they should use data belonging to their clients to track them for the, the carbon footprint 
Earlier this year, the Behavior Insight team published a paper advocate, advocating in favor of bringing out social and behavior transformation apparently as part of the long march towards a net zero world. This includes monitoring what they citizens buy, what they eat, their modes of transportation, their modes of transportation, and whether or not their jobs are climate friendly. Uh, Greenlove stated. Hold on, we got more to talk about. As for the United States, as for the U.S., it too has a long-standing strategy of introducing the theories based on nudging people in certain direction into Washington's policy. This goes back to 2009 in the Obama White House when the Offices of Information and Regulatory Affairs, OIRA, was set up and Casey Sunstein got the job of heading it. Any misgivings about the ethics of it all apparently be damned. The effort appears to have paid off. Bloomberg and John Hopkins University this year said that city halls in various parts of the U.S. these days has essentially created nudge units of their own. The Behavioral Insight Team, started by the U.K. to then in the late 2021 become owned by Nesta, which describes itself as an independent charity focused on innovation, published a report. And while its author present it as a useful guide toward building a net zero society, what observers critic, critical of this content have taken away from it is that it is promoting and detailing various forms of psychological manipulation of people. The problem that Behavioral Insight Team, aka Nudge Unit, has found for itself to solve is a part of the climate change narrative where achieving the net zero means doing away with greenhouse gas emissions, and they don't seem to care if the, if the way to get there is through direct manipulation of people, Pacific Online via promotes nudges towards making choices that are not really theirs but serve the agenda. These choices, hold on folks, concerns and consume people everyday life, what they wear, what and how they eat, how they travel to work, whether that job is climate friendly, how they travel just in general and where to, for example, for vacations. There are all examples of what the report aims to affect from the behavioral perspective. And clearly the solution is to actively push citizens towards social transformation. In this sense, the report recommends putting uh, prompts in apps that will seek the direct the users to order less takeaway takeaway food through what critics might call reality transformation. One suggestion is change the name of small portions to regular portions. At one point, the report mentions BIT case study four, which deals with exploring the role of social media influence as vehicles to promote green behavior. You hear that, folks? Social media influencers. BIT case study twelve, meanwhile, is about helping sovereign trans port delivery and effectively mobility as a service app. Uh, Solentine Transportation is a partnership with local transport authorities while the main idea here is encouraging people out of cars and nudging them towards other means of transportation. BITK Study 15 is one about encouraging customers to order smaller portions on takeout platforms. Several suggestions are made to make sustainable food easier, including utilizing the fact that online shopping gives many opportunities to provide timely substitute uh, prompts or encourage personalized goals and tip links to produce filters and ranking. BIT says that in producing these cases, studies of innov 
Vengeance, it partnered with HMG, the French government, UAE, Crown Prince Court, World Wildlife Forum, Unlever, Tesco, Sky, Gumtree, and Congo, among others. So there you go, folks. That's a lot to unpack there. So basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to change your behavior, folks. That's basically it. That's what they want to do. They want to change your behavior, manipulate your mind to where you feel bad that you're doing certain things. Like if you're driving a car to work and other people don't have modes of transportation, they want to encourage you to stop driving a car, maybe take an Uber, take the city bus, um, take a taxi, um, do carpooling with friends and stuff like that because other people can't afford a car. It's all manipulation. It's all mastermind plan, folks. So nothing surprising me here with this article, folks. But um, that's pretty much the news, folks. That's all the articles. I will definitely put all these links in the description below. But what do y'all think, man? Do y'all think the shadowy nudge unit working online to manipulate you from afar is actually a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's terrible, personally. Like this article said, it's trying to <laughs> manipulate your mind, uh, make you... Think about climate change and all this stuff. And, and it's happening, folks. It's actually working. Um, You see some people now online really, really calling for the banning of gas cars and all this stuff. And once gas cars banned and uh, people should be forced to use public transportation because we got to fight climate change. And we've seen people quit jobs because they're not climate change friendly and all this stuff. But folks, what the hell is climate change friendly exactly? Using less energy? I mean, really? Seriously? We need a carbon foot tracker to track everything that we do? It's absolutely ridiculous. Now they want to freaking manipulate your mind depending on where you want to take vacations now? This is absolutely ridiculous, folks. It's absolutely asinine. It's the most stupidest thing in the world. You can't make this shit up in a Hollywood film at all. But like I said, folks, we just got to stay strong. Got to continue to fight the freedom fight. Got to make sure to continue to live our lives, get your water, get your food, store up your food, things like that. Don't fall for this manipulation camp, folks, um, with climate change, net zero, all this stuff, giving up your jobs, giving up your cars, because that's how they're going to win. <clears throat> and a lot of people will fall for this. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It always does happen. The sheep always fall for the manipulation. That's how the NWO stays in power. They they speak on both sides, speak out of both sides of their mouths. They have to have, they have to control one side of the argument and the other side of the argument. And that's how they stay in power. Once you realize all the inbred fighting of climate change, Bitcoin, Monero, anything that you really see on television or you see online or you see on social media, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Now, you want to be aware of it, but you want to ignore it at the same time. Continue to do your own research. Continue to make your own decision that's best for you and your family. Um, because real folks, this climate change agenda is nothing but control. That's what they want. They want us in the house. They don't want us outside. They don't want us spending time with each other. They don't want us having picnics. They don't want us um, communicating with each other. They only want us communicating online so they can monitor sense. Ban, block, censor, and keep an eye on what we're doing at all times, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's what the point of transhumanism is. That's what the point of the whole fourth industrial revolution is. Freedom of speech will be gone. They're going to do everything in their power to get rid of freedom of speech. They want to control the narrative. They want to control the narrative. But at the end of the day, we all know who wins this war. 
It's AI, the robots, and the drones. They all they, <clears throat> they automatically win this war because ultimately they're going to take over everything. And even the people that are in power that have millions and billions of dollars, they're going to lose too because AI is going to look at them the same way they look at the rest of us. Nothing but humans that don't know what the hell they're doing and they're a threat to society and the earth. And now you are going to get treated like the rest of your counterparts. Like shit. So that's my thought about it, folks. But let me know what y'all think. Let's have a discussion below. This podcast will be available on Wednesday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard, 12 a.m. Pacific. Yes, I know we had a lot of controversy today with my podcast from yesterday, but we finally got to upload it. It's out now. So make sure to share the content, folks. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe to the content. And I will holler at y'all on Saturday night. Sunday morning for the crypto and gaming news, folks. Peace.